Springfield Talk 104.1. I am Nick Reed. Like most of us, you may be having difficulty making it through the economic policies of the Democrats. The uber-wealthy, not-so-impacted, middle- and lower-class disproportionately are. And vehicles, part of Bidenflation, are just so expensive. And, of course, under Bidenflation, interest rates going up on top of that. It's one of the reasons that maintaining your vehicle's life as long as possible is so important. And it is also known that because of unforeseen circumstances or circumstances that we saw coming, and that being the economic policies of Joe Biden, that um, you may be in a bad place and you have to get to work in order to make money to get your car fixed, but you can't get your car fixed because you can't get to work to get that money. And so what do you do? If you don't have the best credit in the world, sometimes that can be very, very, very problematic. A1 Custom Car Care knows that. So they do offer financing options. I believe it's zero interest for 101 days, if, if uh, memory serves. And you don't have to have the best credit in the world as well. Okay, So that may be an option for you. That's something you can discuss with them. So if you do find yourself in that position, or you know maybe you do have the money, but uh, well, that needs to go to rent or your mortgage payment, or something else that absolutely cannot wait, then that may weigh into your decision as well. So they can inform you and let you know exactly what that involves. A1 Custom Car Care. Contact info under Nick's endorsements, ksgf.com. Kamala Harris is representing the U.S. currently at some sort of a summit that's going on. Um and she was in Jakarta, or is in Jakarta, and, and the Associated Press was interviewing her and asked her essentially, um, should Biden be unable to govern as questioned, or as questions rather swirl around his age and his cognitive ability, would she be able to step in? Now, that question by itself, even coming, I mean, the fact that it's coming from the Associated Press which is essentially a protection racket and a propaganda racket for the Democrat Party, tells us that even they know. And this is the point that we've, we've gotten to, is that you should not consider not voting for Joe Biden just because he is not physically and mentally capable of being president of the United States, uh, because here we've got Kamala Harris. And so, you know, are, are you ready? And she says, oh, yeah, don't worry. Of course, uh, she's saying, I mean, hey, Joe Biden, he's going to be fine. Everything's all right. But, hey, just in case something does happen, uh, I'm going to be ready to step in. But listen to this quote from her. This is hysterical. She's talking about Joe Biden. Listen to this. She says, I see him every day. A substantial amount of time we spend together in the Oval Office, where I see how his ability to understand issues and weave through complex issues in a way no one else can to make smart and important decisions on behalf of the American people have played out. So not only does Joe Biden not have any cognitive issues whatsoever. But he is able 
to understand issues and weave through complex issues in a way that no one else can. One of the character traits of that we see with the left is this sort of God worship. They, they, when they pick somebody that they deem to be leader, they are the greatest ever, no matter what. Uh, we heard this about Obama, how Obama was just so smart, it was difficult for other really smart people to keep up with him. He was so nuanced and so brilliant that, that it sometimes went without even being recognized. Joe Biden is given the exact same treatment. Joe Biden. Kamala Harris here is claiming that uh, that the, the brightest of the bright, the most intelligent minds that exist, Joe Biden outsmarts those people. That things that they cannot comprehend, that Joe Biden, quote, has his ability to understand issues and weave through complex issues in a way that no one else can. I mean, it's laughable. It is beyond laughable. It is embarrassing. I, you know, you can say, hey, uh, I see a side of Joe Biden that the rest of the world doesn't see. And yeah, maybe sometimes he's not the most articulate guy in the world. I mean, we've had presidents that, that were that way before, that when they get out there and the cameras are on, you know, uh, maybe they, they don't really, they're not done justice by uh, by their interaction. And, and yeah, Joe's been guilty of that sometime, but I'm telling you behind closed doors, he's just a different guy. But to claim that he is the smartest guy on the planet that weaves through complex issues like no one she's ever seen, what is it with these people on the left? And they pick the dumbest people to anoint as being the smartest. Again, uh, so to Kamala Harris, Joe Biden is the smartest, most intelligent guy in the world. To Joe Biden, Hunter Biden is the most intelligent guy in the entire world. I, I mean, it's as if they almost are wanting to be... It, it's, it's like sarcasm, but it's not sarcasm. And these are all people that cast Ronald Reagan as being not that smart. George Bush as being not that smart. Donald Trump is being not that smart. Sarah Palin is being not that smart. Um, I, I mean, you could just go through the list. These people characterize past Republican administrations, presidents, vice presidents as being dolts, as being dummies, as being idiots. Look who they hold up and say, now this is, this is real intelligence. Latest news update. Good morning, everyone. I'm Color 10's Angela Luna. A man in Tecumseh is set to appear in court today after he's claiming to police he tripped and accidentally shot his sister. 21-year-old Samuel Dethrange Jr. is facing assault charges. Ozark County deputies say the woman was shot on the forehead but survived and was awake when they arrived on scene. Witnesses told deputies he was yelling and making threats, forcing them to hide in the backyard just before the shooting. A Camden demand is charged with multiple felonies after a victim claims he chased her in her vehicle and pushed it off the road. Deputies responded to a call on Sunday where several witnesses say they saw a pickup truck hitting a car and forcing it into a ditch. That victim told officers that 26-year-old Justin Marshall assaulted her at their home before chasing her on South Highway 7. Marshall later turned himself in. The victim was treated for moderate injuries. Tune in to Fox 49 for the latest news at 5 and 6. I'm Angela Luna. 
First alert forecast sponsored by Navant, employee benefits that work from Color 10, Fox 49, meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Sunny 83 today, clear 16 height, sunny 87 tomorrow. You know, I, I, I can tend to overthink things, and oftentimes that is a disservice because the simpler answer is so often the truth. But when Kamala Harris makes a statement like she did from Jakarta this morning, about Joe Biden just being so absolute brilliant and that he, above anyone, can weave through complex issues that no one else can in order to come up with these brilliant solutions and so forth. One thing, because you grapple, you're like, now she, no one can really, that's just absurd. That, that is, it's insanity. And so you start to think, is she overstating things to such a degree she knows people will think that she doesn't actually believe it because any because she doesn't want people to think that she really does think he's a smart guy. Now she can't say, I don't really think he's that smart. We all, you know, I, I see the same thing the rest of you see. We talk amongst ourselves the same way that you talk amongst yourselves when it comes to things that Joe Biden says or does. Uh, she can't say that. But at the same time, she doesn't want, yeah, if it were me, I would not want people to think that I really genuinely thought that he was a smart guy. So you overstate it to the point that everyone knows that you know that's not true, right? Maybe maybe that's it. Or I. Maybe someone uh, noted on the American Transmissions talk and text line, in a way nobody else can, Kamala referencing Biden, is actually parallel with what Obama said about his amazing ability to F things up. That's true. Never underestimate Joe Biden's ability to F things up. That's, that is probably the single greatest quote and honest quote former president barack obama ever uttered you're listening to nick reed in the morning on springfield's talk 1041 the office of senate minority leader mitch mcconnell yesterday released a new report from the capitol's attending physician saying an evaluation from neurologists after the lawmaker had two recent public health scares found he did not suffer a stroke or a seizure the report by Dr. Brian Monahan also states that the 81-year-old Kentucky Republican does not have Parkinson's disease. What exactly caused McConnell to freeze up still remains a Now, by the way, these are the episodes we've seen. The vast majority of Mitch McConnell's day is not in front of the cameras. Are these the only two instances of this occurring? It could be. Could be just the absolute worst timing. That would be horrible timing. I mean, if you're one of his handlers and you're like, you've got to be kidding me. Of all the times he does this, it's good. I mean, we've had him in, you know, up at a podium answering questions just a number of different times. And he does it more than we see, of course. This is what makes the headlines. Uh, but but you know, th- this is when he's going to do it. I suspect, at, at the very least, we have to acknowledge that this could be happening more frequently than we are aware of. I get this sense that we are somehow supposed to feel better that we don't know what this is. 
They, they put out these reports and, uh, hey, guess what? Everything's good. It's not Parkinson's. It's not a stroke. It wasn't a seizure. Mm, okay. Are we interested in finding out what it is? Generally speaking, not knowing is worse than knowing. Because if you know what a problem is, you know what this means. You know how and if it is possible to treat it. Is this something that is treatable? Is it something that's not treatable? Is it something that outside of having these moments in which one freezes for about 30 to 60 seconds, it doesn't really do any harm? It's you know, it's just one of those things. Is, is that what we're dealing with? But apparently we do not know. We have no clue. We do not know if this is the beginning of something that is going to continue to get worse and worse. We do not know if every time this occurs, it is causing some form of permanent damage uh, to, to the brain or who knows where else uh, that, that, that increases the likelihood that it's going to happen again. We, we don't know because this is what we're being told. Uh, we don't know what it is. We know what it's not. Uh, it's not a seizure. It is not Parkinson's. And it is also not a stroke. Okay. How embarrassing. Collectively, you look at the, the, the leaders of this country, McCarthy, an exception. But prior to McCarthy, you had Nancy Pelosi in that position. Collectively, these are, are and I'm genuine when I say this, collectively, these are people that I would not trust to organize a garage sale. Nearly two-thirds of D.C. residents would convict Trump in the election case, according to a new poll. Isn't this just, is this not the perfect way to do a, or an analysis on our judicial system in the country today where we just poll people? Poll people on a case that hasn't even started in terms of the evidence being provided in a courtroom. I mean... Is this not the antithesis of how our system is supposed to work? Anyhow, I've never been on a jury. It's my understanding that, you know, they're like, okay, now you're supposed to wait until everything is done before you start deliberating here, before you form an opinion as to whether or not the person that is charged is actually guilty of the crimes in which they're charged. So you, you need to wait. Don't have any deliberations amongst yourselves. You got to wait. You have to hear both sides. You have to hear all the facts because there's going to be a lot of information that's presented for the very first time. Ah, hell with that. Now, this is, I think, instructive, but not in a positive way because it illustrates that this is purely political. You have nearly two-thirds of D.C. residents, which, by the way, this is exactly why it is that they continue to push much of this in the D.C. area. You have two-thirds of D.C. residents that know none of the facts of the case, that say, oh, yeah, I'd convict him. 
Now, what I think would be a really interesting piece is those same people polled asking them, now, exactly what charge? And for what reason, what evidence do you believe warrants a guilty verdict on whichever charge that I would like for you to explain? And we know the answer to this. They would have no clue. Well, I don't really know. I guess I don't know. Trying to uh, overthrow the election. Uh, 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 Being responsible for an insurrection. Okay, well, that's not really what he was charged with. I think it would be interesting to know what percentage of those who have said they would find Trump guilty could name even one of the official charges he's facing. I suspect that the answer would be close to zero. And again, sadly and unfortunately, this tells us what we need to know about our judicial system that these... Every one of these answers should have been, well, I don't know because I'm not sure exactly what the evidence is presented. But that's not how it operates, does it? Two-thirds, without hearing a single minute of a court case in which evidence is presented, and certainly not hearing any of the defense to declare, oh, yeah, I'd go ahead. And and, you think that that... That you're not going to have those people on a jury? When you have two-thirds of a population, two-thirds of a jury pool that have already declared that they would find him guilty. Why even have a trial? Apparently, there's no need. Because the case itself is irrelevant. It's just, again, this world that has been crafted by the left in this country. There are good guys and there are bad guys, and he's a bad guy, so throw him away. It doesn't matter what court case. Just throw him away. Just, just you know, I mean, we can do it to citizens that were in the Capitol on January 6th. Why can't we do it to him? That's their approach. That's their tyranny. Instead of cleaning house when it happens, they just shrug their shoulders and re-elect them again. This is Springfield's Talk 1041. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Local for Lessos are coming up Friday, just a couple days away, 10 a.m. You will have access at ksgf.com. For half price gift cards to Cabos Bonitos, Bonitos Grill and Cantina. For 12 and a half bucks, you can get $25 gift cards. So you may want to set your little reminder or just download the app, have the notifications on. You'll get a reminder of that. Then later in the day, you will get a notification uh, regarding Godfather's Pizza, and they do deliver. The four area restaurants, Nixa, Battlefield, Ozark, and Springfield, there will be a KSGF deal, and you will be notified of what that deal is uh, on the app. It will give you that, again, notifications if you have your notifications set, 
And when you call in, just tell them, hey, I want this deal. I saw on the KSGF app, and then they will get you set up for that deal. We also have your chance to win a pizza party with us in Godfathers. Uh, we're going to be doing that about once a month or so. You can register at ksgf.com. And then if you're chosen, then you and uh, you get to pick a dozen folks or so. And we'll just all get together at one of the area Godfathers restaurants some night and uh, have a big pizza party. So it'll be fun. It's sort of a... a pizza party once a month version of what we do at Retro Metro for Lunch Bunch, which you can also register for. So there's a lot of things for you to go over to ksgf.com, get yourself signed up, get yourself uh, active, and uh, it only increases your chances of winning. Regarding Kamala Harris in Jakarta this morning, giving an interview to the AP saying that, hey, if Biden can't serve out his term, don't worry, I'm ready. She also noted just how brilliant he is and that she spends a very significant amount of time with him in the Oval Office every day, which, by the way, I don't believe that for a minute. Do not believe that for one minute. That, that out of the gate, I believe, is not true. That every day, that on a daily basis, she spends a significant amount of time in the unless it's to feed him and to change him, I do not believe that to be the case. But she noted that she watches his brilliance and how he is able to weave through complex issues that others can't even begin to mentally comprehend, and that's how he comes to such wise decision-making. On the American Transmissions talk and text line, noting, you know, regarding that comment from Kamala, consider the source. It's relative. If you have an IQ of 20, someone with an IQ of 20-20 is a genius. That is a very good point. It's a very good point. I was sharing with you this Just the News um, piece regarding a poll that was done, Emerson College Survey, and I don't even, I don't, I don't like polls like this in the first place. I think they contribute to the problem. And it asked D.C. residents if they would convict former President Donald Trump in the special counsel Jack Smith's prosecution uh, over questioning the 2020 presidential election results. And nearly two-thirds said, yeah, yeah, we would convict him. And that in and of itself, I noted, is problematic. That's not how our system is supposed to work. Where you have two-thirds of the jury pool fully acknowledging, yeah, I'll just convict him right now. I don't need to hear the case. But what does it really even add to do these polls in the first place? Because in order to answer the question, you need to violate the, the, what's supposed to be the accepted way of our system working, and that is sitting there here before determining, legally speaking, guilt, hearing all of the evidence put forth, and hearing the defense. And asking this question almost and putting it out there, you know, for the world to see and to talk about, and this will be discussed, and I think it will be used in order to show the rigged system against uh, Trump. But at the same time, it almost makes it seem as if this is a perfectly okay thing to do for people within that jurisdiction who could very well be called up for jury duty to predetermine the case, to predetermine the guilt. It makes it seem as if that is an acceptable way to approach this. And I know they're just being asked their opinion in the context of a poll, 
But how can one, I mean, the, the proper answer should be, I don't know, I haven't heard the case. It's very disturbing. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. First alert forecast from Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Sunny 83 today, clear, low of 60. Tonight, tomorrow, sunny with a high of 87. Uh, we've got Secretary of State Ashcroft uh, is joining us this morning. And hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. Uh, appreciate you being with us this morning. And I want to talk about uh, some uh, victories for Missouri. And one of the, there's been a lot of, of course, um, discussion regarding the issue of abortion and wording of these things. And, and just, it, it becomes very confusing with the different uh, um, legal challenges. So if you would tell us a little bit about the, the court's ruling regarding your position on this and what it means in, in the context of abortion. Well, there are several lawsuits going on right now over several initiative petitions, but we had one individual that over a year ago uh, filed an initiative petition that would allow abortion in the state of Missouri. And uh, the, the Constitution, the Missouri Supreme Court, had been very clear that when you want to file an initiative petition, you can do it starting the day after the election until you have to turn in the signatures uh, roughly the second week of May uh, the year of the next general election. And in 2022, instead of waiting till the day after the election, he wanted to file it between May and November when it's, according to the Constitution, we don't accept initiative petitions. So we denied him according to the law. The circuit court found that we had followed the law, and the appellate court also found that we had followed the law. And I'm just grateful that the courts actually looked at the law and said what the law is instead of what they might have wanted it to be. Mm. What Do you think that this was done as is not uncommon in order to just even challenge that aspect of of the window of timing there? or Because it seems pretty black and white, cut and dry, and it seems as if the courts uh, also found it that way. Why even challenge it? I think it was done, one one, for publicity, and two, with the, the thought that, hey, I know what the law is, but maybe if I get the right judges, they'll change the law for me. And I just don't think that's the way we should do things. We need to be a nation of laws where everyone is treated equally. And if, if the law is bad, we need to change the law through our legislative process, not go to court and hope we get a friendly judge that will wink at a nod and say, oh, no, the, court, the, the law really says this. Uh, you had an op-ed regarding abortion recently. I did. It's really, uh, I'm talking about what Missouri can do to promote life. Um, I think we ought to be a state that promotes life. I think Missourians prefer life over abortion. I don't think even the the, the people in Missouri that uh, may want to have some access to abortion in the state, they don't want Missouri to be a state where abortion is common, where it happens a lot. I think Missourians want us to be a state where women going through a difficult time, an unplanned, uncertain time, can know that there's hope and that they can not only protect their child, but protect the the eventual welfare and allow that woman to be the best that she can ever be. We need to be a state that promotes adoption, that gets kids into great families when a parent just can't take care of them. We need to be a state that does a better job with foster care and moving those foster kids 
into forever homes. We need to promote life and making sure that everyone in the state has the ability to fulfill the maximum of their God-given potential. That's where I stand. The the approach regarding abortion and how to deal with it to become more pro-life, whether it's a state or a nation, oftentimes is divided into camps. There's the camp that says, well, we should just do everything we can to outlaw it. And then there's a the side that says, no, that's not the route to go. We need to win over the hearts and minds of people. I happen to think you can do two things at once. And so I, I, I don't think one has to exclude the other. Um, I agree with you. We should do both at once. Uh, I understand when you're dealing with government, sometimes it's hard to believe that government can even do one thing well, uh, much less two things at the same time. But we should be doing both. We should be making uh, Missouri a place where everyone from conception to natural death knows that they can prosper and do well and that they can be protected. And when people are going through a difficult time, Missourians are charitable. We're a caring people. They need to know that their neighbors will help them and get them through their difficult time. We're talking with Secretary Ashcroft this morning. I, I think it was in Politico there was a piece regarding the RNC adopting Missouri-style election integrity policies. Sure. I haven't had an opportunity to really read through it. Um, this is definitely your wheelhouse. <laughs> Update us on this, if you would. Well, I was really happy to see the RNC calling on states and the federal government to make changes with the way they do elections. I, I, unfortunately, I don't think it really went as far as Missouri has gone, and it didn't go as far as we'd like to go. I, you know, We've outlawed drop boxes. We've gone to the paper ballot. We require a photo ID. We've outlawed uh, ballot curing. We started the ability to do audits of voter rolls for our election authorities. Those are all things we've already done. But going forward, I'd love to see us require proof of citizenship for registration and for voting. I'd love us to look at our our, our, regist- our, our laws with regard to registration and residency so that every otherwise eligible voter has one and only one, regardless of how many properties they own, place where they can be registered. I'd love to yeah. see us, although we do mandatory 5% audits, do more. So clearly very radical things that you're looking at here. No, things that put control in the hands of the voters that make sure we have accessibility, we have security, and we have credibility, the three hallmarks of good election. Well, I know we don't uh, get to have you join us uh, on a daily basis, and so we appreciate your time. And that being said, is there anything else that people need to be aware of? I know so many things go under the radar. There are things that are, you know, important, but until it's too late, oftentimes they, they make their way in the news. So it's a great opportunity when we have somebody like you here just to tell us what is on the radar. Is there anything else? I would remind people that every time we get an initiative petition that's proposed, we have a comment period, and we are happy for people to comment on them, to read them, and give us suggestions on how to explain them in our simple ballot titles. They go to sos.mo.gov to do that. And, of course, when it comes to elections, it's not enough to get out and vote. You need to get out and self-educate yourself. Get a sample ballot, find out who the candidates are, what the issues are, figure out what's really true, and then make your decision on Election Day. As always, Secretary Ashcroft, definite pleasure. Thank you for spending time with us this morning. Thanks for having me. Have a great one. Hey, you bet. You do the same. Springfield's Talk 1041, the American Transmissions Talk and Text Line 447-KSGF. Ron and Nix, if you're still holding on, we will get to you next. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041.
American Transmissions talking text line 447 KSGF. Ron and Nixa, thanks for holding, sir. Appreciate it. Yeah, hey, Nick. Uh, I heard you talking about, uh, you know, uh, verdicts and how people don't even get a fair shake in some areas. And one of the one of the aspects of our our legal system that we don't think about is that the lawyers are governed and are licensed and are controlled by the bar associations, which are not government entities; they're private entities that are that are governed by their own members and everything. So, if you know a certain, um, I don't know, a certain ideology takes over that organization, then they can project that ideology into that whole profession. We saw that with the uh, National School Board Association doing those kind of things to the school boards across the United States and the Missouri State School Board Association uh, where our Nixa school district, you know, decided to withdraw from uh, some of those associations. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly which ones they, they canceled, but, you know, they're they're no longer a part of certain uh, associations like that. But uh, it, it's like they're non-government entities that are governing significant portions of our society. The Bar Association being a big one, because I noticed when we were going through COVID, I started looking for a lawyer that would uh, support ADA cases for disability, you know, people with disabilities. And no lawyers would touch anything that had to do with the COVID response uh, as far as ADA was concerned. They they just wouldn't. And I think it had a lot to do with uh, the bar associations uh, twisting their arm and saying, don't touch the COVID stuff. This is a whole uh, another avenue that the left is crafting in this country to deny us what is spelled out legally and constitutionally as rights. And one of the things that we've long been aware of is this whole idea that you as an American, if you are accused of something, you deserve representation to the point that if you can't afford it, it will be afforded for you. I mean, it will be paid for. And so this system has been set up as a protected system uh, for the people um, and and defaulting uh, and erroring or erring on the side of the people versus government in particular. And what they've done is all of these protections and the ideas of the protections that were put in place, they are eliminating. Um, you know, just even the innocent until proven guilty and, and that they are making just being accused punishment to uh, where they you don't even have to be found guilty or even end up going to trial. Um, they will absolutely destroy your entire life. They will take everything from you. And as we saw, in General Flynn is a great example of this. Once they realize, okay, well, you're too stubborn. We've taken everything that you have that's important to you, but now we're going to start on your family. And then they start threatening family. Uh, and so the, accu- the the defend, just defending yourself as you have a right to do in this country becomes just as punitive as actually being found guilty. The crafting of an environment in which attorneys are afraid 
to represent certain people. As he mentioned there, you know, we hear this from uh, Christy Fulnecki quite often that that people, particularly in family court situations, when there are issues dealing with custody, um, that that many of these individuals are having a very difficult time finding someone that will represent them, particularly in certain areas like the St. Louis area, because it is seen and, and viewed as so completely corrupt. No attorney, especially locally, wants to be on the, quote, wrong side. Look right now, you have facing prison time arrested some of Trump's attorneys for offering legal advice. For sitting around and I, I've, Noted this before, not an attorney, but we've seen this, whether it's documentaries or portrayed in movies where you've got a defense team and they are talking strategy. Well, what if we do this thing? What about this angle? Can we? Is this a legal uh, avenue to go? Uh, what about this? And and the sort of role-playing stuff and, and to to say and to set this new standard that, well, if you, well, first of all, that communication is no longer privileged. You may think attorney-client privilege exists until we say it doesn't. So you're allowed to have it until you get some judge or prosecutor who decides you don't get it any longer. And then if we deem the government that your strategy against our case we don't like, we'll arrest you too. Because let's be honest, that's what this is about here. We're not talking about the government being an arbitrator over a case between two non-government entities, we're talking about the government against Trump and Trump team, and then the government is, is the one that is also the judge. So they are the plaintiff and they're the judge. And so here the government says, you know what, your attorney-client privilege no longer exists, Um and your strategy that you discussed here potentially utilizing uh, in order to figure your way through these election uncertainties, we as the government decide that we don't really like that either, so it doesn't count. In fact, we're deeming it illegal, and we're going to throw you in prison as well. All of these, these offerings that constitutionally have been set up in the context of innocent until proven guilty, the ability, whether you can afford it or not, to have a defense, they are backdooring around. So it's, oh yeah, you have the right to a defense. If you can find anyone who'll do it after we're done with them. Someone had, we're going to get a traffic update, and then I want to read to you the questioning here. The, the story that Just the News has off an Emerson College survey that says nearly two-thirds of D.C. residents, and this is the where the Jack Smith prosecution of Trump is taking place, nearly two-thirds, without a trial even starting, have said, oh, yeah, I'd convict him. This is the jury pool. Somebody had asked exactly how is the question asked, so I'm going to present that. But there's another aspect of this that is also just remarkable. One of the other questions they ask, and that was, do you, do you worry as a DC resident here that the, that whomever is on the jury, that that jury will be too harsh on Trump or too easy on Trump? The answer to that is startling as well. That next I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. 
Springfield's Talk 104.1. I am Nick Reed, streaming live, KSGF.com and the KSGF app. Uh, Just the News has a story. Nearly two-thirds of D.C. residents would convict Trump in the election case, this despite the fact that uh, the trial has not even started. And this is the jury pool that is going to be drawn from in this case. Uh, it was an Emerson College survey, and someone had asked what the wording was. So here, here is the wording that was used. If you were called to serve on the D.C. jury to hear the trial of Donald Trump for using unlawful means in an attempt to subvert the results of the 2020 presidential election, would, oh, wait, uh, scratch that. That was asking whether they wanted to serve on the jury or not. So if you are a member of the jury in the trial of Donald Trump, how would you vote on the charge that he used unlawful means in an attempt to subvert the results of the 2020 presidential election? And 64.2% said guilty, 7.2% uh, said innocent, and then 28.1% said unsure, which should be the right answer, right? Because they, there's been no case actually presented to a jury yet. Um, but here is something that I thought was even more interesting and should be frightening to everyone. Um, and that was... The question as to whether or not you believe the jury will be too harsh on Trump. So this exact wording was, now thinking about the potential jury in the Donald Trump trial in D.C., which concerns you more? That the jury will be too harsh on Trump or the jury will be too easy on Trump? Only 8.2% said too harsh on Trump. 42.4% said that they think that they're they're worried the jury will be too easy on Donald Trump. Now, these are this is, again, a jury pool in which two thirds have already said, oh, yeah, I'll find him guilty that they don't need any more information. They don't need to hear any evidence. They don't need to hear any defense. They've declared. Yep, that's it. And so with that two thirds, they still you have uh, 42% that say they worry that the jury will be too easy on Trump. Now, I suppose to some degree, and I don't, yeah, I'm, will any of these people end up on the jury? It shouldn't matter. The case clearly should not be in Washington, D.C. This is the place in which, obviously, outside of maybe the three-mile zone in Hollywood, California, that you are most likely to get a, a, a conviction of Donald Trump, uh, regardless of what the case itself presents. Uh, so that in and of itself. But it will be interesting when the jury does get seated if they are able to find out whether any of those individuals were actually polled and, and how it was that they did poll in this. But by itself, is this uh, the sort of thing that can be presented as reason to move it to a new jurisdiction to get it out of that area? The problem, again, is thinking in the context of fairness And that's not exactly what we're dealing with here. So you are asking the people who are the problem, the system that is the problem, to not be a problem long enough to recognize that they are a problem. And I think we all recognize that that's not realistic. News in 60 seconds. I'm Nick Reed.